Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. As we continue the series, People of Excellence, we are in the process of noting the biblical addition formula found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. I read from the Word of the Lord, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. We've already noted the importance of adding virtue and knowledge to our faith, and in this session we are focusing on the importance of adding temperance. I want to read again verses 5 and 6 of 2 Peter chapter 1. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to knowledge temperance. What is temperance? Temperance comes from a word that has as a part of its meaning power. And so temperance has to do with control, self-control. It has to do with inner strength that God wants you and, and God wants me to possess. Now, what is the opposite of this inner strength, this control over self? The opposite is a lack of power, a lack of control. And so, having made that distinction, what is God's desire for us? Is it God's will for us to live with a lack of power? Is it God's will for us to live with a lack of control? I don't believe so. The Bible does not substantiate that kind of lifestyle. God desires for you and God desires for me in partnership with the sweet Holy Spirit to have power, to have control, to manifest an inner strength. And so temperance will enable us to make beneficial choices, beneficial choices relative to our lifestyle so that indeed we can respond as a people of excellence. I want to share something regarding temperance that you may never have thought about. Now follow me very closely. I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that temperance involves the voluntary foregoing of privileges. I want to repeat that in case you didn't get it. Temperance involves the voluntary foregoing of privileges. Now, I like privileges, and I dare say that you do as well. But sometimes you and I should refrain from certain privileges for our benefit. And sometimes you and I should refrain from certain privileges for the benefit of others. Sometimes we need to refrain from certain privileges, not because they're bad, 
But we need to refrain from certain privileges because we are choosing between better and best. I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. Now listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. That word expedient is a very interesting word. It literally means helpful. Now, what was Paul saying then? And what is God's sweet Holy Spirit saying to us today through what he was inspired to write? This. There were many things that Paul had the privilege to do. But Paul voluntarily chose not to do certain things, even though there was nothing wrong with them, he chose not to do certain things because they would not be helpful to him and they would not be helpful for him. And then he continued in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. My friends, there are so many things, there are so many personalities that would have power over us. And if you and I do not exercise temperance, we forfeit our power. We forfeit our control. And we place ourselves under the power and the control of other factors. The Apostle Paul was so convicted and he was so convinced of this need for temperance that he expressed it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Now, what does edify mean? It means to build up, right? And so Paul said that even though all things were lawful to him, all things were not helpful, and all things would not edify, and all things would not promote his welfare. So again, in light of these points, what is temperance? I want to give you a very simple definition. Simply stated, temperance is self-control. There used to be a commercial, I haven't heard it and I haven't seen it in many years, that advertised a particular brand of potato chip. Now, some of you who are in my age category or close to it, you may remember this commercial, and as part of its slogan, it went like this, you can't eat just one. Now, temperance, self-control, gives us the ability to prove that potato chip company wrong. Temperance gives us the ability to eat just one potato chip and then close the bag for another time. I read a slogan a long time ago, and it goes like this. 
Those who wish to transform the world must be able first to transform themselves. Would you allow me to read that again? Those who wish to transform the world. Now, let me pause there and ask a question. Is that your desire and my desire? Is that our calling to be a part of transforming the world through the power of God's Word and God's Holy Spirit? It is, isn't it? And those who wish to transform the world must be able first to transform themselves. Because if you and I try to transform the world without first being transformed ourselves, we exhibit the spirit of hypocrisy. Am I smiling? Can you see my teeth? And my brothers and sisters, there are too many, and one is too many. There are too many with a hypocritical attitude and practice along these lines. Now, is this biblical? Yes, indeed. It is a biblical principle. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but underscore, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And why is that so important? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, will you agree with me that that phrase, a living sacrifice, gives a strong idea that denial needs to take place? See, temperance provides us the ability. Temperance provides us the opportunity to prove to ourselves and to prove to others that our choice is to be a transformed person. Now, why is temperance important? I could share with you many reasons, but for the sake of time, I just want to share two reasons why temperance is important. Number one, temperance is important because the presence of temperance is helpful. I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25, underscore, for the rest of your life and living, and every man, every woman, every young person, for every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in how much? One more time, how much? One more time, how much? Is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Is there anybody else besides me that is looking forward to the experience of Jesus Christ placing that incorruptible crown on your head? That's our desire, isn't it? Well, temperance is very important 
if that's going to be a reality. You see, if you and I are striving for success, if we want to achieve success, temperance is an essential factor. Now, Paul was referring to running a race in this text. And then in verse 26, he refers to, and he's talking about fighting. I love sports. I've always been active in sports. And one of the very first things I learned was that if an athlete desires to excel, to be the very best possible, that athlete will do certain things. If an athlete desires to excel, the athlete will not do other things. Question, did temperance help Daniel when he was faced with the choice concerning diet? Absolutely. Temperance enabled Daniel to be elevated to a position of prominence that resulted in help for his generation and is still providing insight for the generation that you and I live in. Secondly, temperance is important because the absence of temperance is damaging. While we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's drop down to verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Now, let me pause there and stop preaching a moment and do a little meddling. And I do so asking, am I still smiling? My brothers and sisters, is this your mentality and is this my mentality? Is this your practice and is this my practice? Look at it again. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. And as if someone were about to ask, well, Paul, why is this so important? Listen, lest by any means when I, and I'm putting myself there, when I, Danny Gerard, have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I am asked many times, both outside the gym and inside the gym, why I exercise like I do. And my response is always this, I exercise like I do. I keep my body in subjection so that I can be a radiant testimony for Jesus Christ. <laughs> because I can't preach about something if I am not living it myself. You see, the absence of temperance will actually lead to disqualification in our lives. You see, when there is no temperance, when there is no control in our lives, we are setting ourselves up for disqualification. Your body and my body has certain cravings. And the Apostle Paul testified that he would not allow his body to rule him, but rather he would rule his body 
by bringing it under subjection through temperance. What I'm about to say is not meant to be critical. It's not meant to be judgmental. It's just a fact. The absence of temperance accounts for much Christian failure. May I repeat that? The absence of temperance accounts for much Christian failure. And so the question we need to ask at this point is this. How can we gain temperance? I want to share with you several ways. One way that you and I gain temperance is by facing our failures. I dare say that there is no one among us who has not faced failure in one capacity or another. You and I gain temperance by facing our failures. But follow me closely. We cannot afford to focus just on past failures because to do so is to guarantee repetition. So not only must we face our failures, we must learn the lesson or the lessons from our failures and then press forward with renewed determination so as not to lapse back again into that failure experience. I love homemade chili. I think of myself as a chili connoisseur. I have competed in several chili competitions. Now, I did not compete last year when the school had it, but I have competed in several chili competitions, and I have never lost. My chili is famous worldwide. <laughs> Several years ago, I was in the mood for chili, and so I made a large pot of chili. Now, those of you who make chili know that you cannot make a small pot of chili. It has to be a large pot, and it smells so good as it was simmering. And for those of you who, whose chili does not measure up to being world famous, let me share with you that one of the secrets of world-famous chili is slow simmering, okay? So as that chili was simmering, oh, it smells so good. And that first spoonful, oh, it tasted delicious. I not only had one bowl of chili, I not only had two bowls of chili, I not only had three bowls of chili, I not only had four bowls of chili, I not only had five bowls of chili, I had six bowls of chili. Now, they were not large bowls, but they were bowls. And by the time I finished that sixth bowl of chili, I did not want to eat any more chili. In fact, I did not want to see any more chili. I did not want to smell any more chili for a long, long, long time. I learned a lesson. 
I still enjoy cooking and, and eating chili, but now I practice temperance. You see, I failed. I blew it, but I learned my lesson. I stop eating before I make myself sick. That, my friends, is temperance. Another way that you and I gain temperance is by resisting the temptation to be governed by our moods. Too often, you and I do things out of moods. Something has happened, and we allow our moods to control us. We indulge in something we know we should not indulge in, or we overindulge in something we know we should not overindulge in. Our friends, you and I must not allow ourselves to be slaves to our moods. You and I cannot afford to allow our moods to manipulate us. We can't allow our moods to control us because moods change. And if you and I give in to our moods, then what we're doing is not exercising the kind of self-control that can give, give us victory and deliverance. Another way that we gain temperance is by believing that we can change. Now listen to me carefully. Your beliefs and my beliefs determine our behavior. Are you listening to me? Your beliefs and my beliefs determine our behavior. Someone said, and I fully agree, he who believes he can, can. Now, I may be simplistic, but I just believe the Bible. And my Bible tells me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as I partner with Jesus so that the changes necessary in my life might take place for His honor and for my benefit. Another way that we gain temperance is by making ourselves accountable. There are a couple of simple ways that you and I can make ourselves accountable. Number one, we need to have a trusted person, someone else, with whom we can share our challenges. Someone who will hold us accountable to follow through. And if they see us straying from the mark, they will assist us in getting back on track. Secondly, we need to set goals. We need to set short-range goals, and we need to set long-range goals. Because as a general rule, being a person of temperance is a process. It doesn't come instantly and overnight. And as you and I establish goals, it's setting in place an accountability mechanism in our minds and in our hearts that will benefit us. Let me give you an example. 
I'm a certified master fitness trainer. I have trained hundreds of people down through the years. And when I take on a client who desires and needs to lose weight, that individual is required to select a person who will hold him or her accountable. He or she is also required to set goals, short-range and long-range goals. A short-range goal might be to lose one pound a week until the target weight is achieved. And I've had clients say, but one pound a week, that's not very much. And I smile real big as I have a tendency to do and ask, well, how many weeks are there in a year? And they say 52. And I say, well, if you just lose one pound a week, that's 52 pounds in a year. And then the long-range goal is that maybe at the end of that year, she will be able to fit into that special dress for the upcoming wedding or another special event. And finally and foremost, another way that you and I can gain temperance is by depending on the power of Jesus Christ. As we recognize with mind and with heart that if God be for us, who can be against us? And my brothers and sisters, I would be foolish to stand here today and tell you that we can do it in ourselves. You and I are no match for the battles that we will encounter on the pathway of life and living. As strong-willed as we may be, we are not adequate to win the victory by and of ourselves. It reminds me of a story I heard several years ago about a farmer who was trying to get his stubborn mule to move. He tried and he tried and he tried, but that stubborn mule just would not bulge, wouldn't move at all. He sat on the ground in frustration. A friend approached him and, and asked why he looked so downtrodden. And the farmer explained what he was trying to do, his challenge. And so his friend asked him the question, why don't you use your willpower to get that mule to move? And the farmer immediately responded, I've tried to use my willpower, but the stubborn mule is using his won't power. Sometimes, whether we like to admit it or not, the want power is stronger than our willpower, and so that's why it's so important that we have the mind, the will of Christ operating in us and through us. The Apostle Paul expressed the dilemma that you and I sometimes find ourselves with this insight found in Romans chapter 7, verses 18, 19, and 20. For I know... No doubt about it, he says. 
For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I than do it that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like this? I have. Is there hope? Absolutely. Because in desperation, you and I can cry out like the Apostle Paul did in verses 24 and 25. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who? Who? And then he resounds, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, my friends, when you and I enter into partnership with Jesus Christ, temperance is not only a potential. Temperance can become a reality, and we can be people of excellence. I close with this. Divine power with human effort equals success. Let me repeat that again. Divine power with human effort equals success. Let me repeat it one more time. Divine power with human effort equals success. Is there anybody else here besides me whose desire is success? It's possible. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.